Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. It is now virtually impossible to distinguish most DOs, osteopathic physicians, from their MD, allopathic counterparts. We have given up our uniqueness in order to be accepted and to be compensated by insurance companies. Fortunately, an ever-increasing amount of people are asking for alternatives to traditional medicine. I think there will always be holistic physicians who do embrace the principles upon which the osteopathic profession was founded. Robert C. Brooksby, DO. Hey guys, it's Robert Brooksby from The Painful Truth of Living with Chronic Pain, and I have some exciting news. Dr. Brett Thomas, for a limited time and only for our listening audience, is giving a free consultation appointment away when you use the word limitless. I repeat, when you book your appointment and you use the word limitless, he will give you a free consultation. I don't know if you're in between doctors, I don't know if you're looking for a new doctor, but if you're in the Orlando, Florida area and you're looking for a doctor that actually cares about you and wants you to get better, definitely give Dr. Brett Thomas a call. His number is 407-747-1222. That number again is 407-747-1222. So when you're booking it, use the word limitless. It's a value of $400 you're saving for your first consultation appointment. What are you waiting for? It's free. Call him today. instant. About 50 million adults in the United States have chronic pain, and because of a car accident, Robbie is one of them. In their marriage vows, Robbie and Sammy promise to stand by one another and provide strength when needed, and lately they've been facing some of their biggest challenges. Join them as they share the ups and downs of living with chronic pain.
Good afternoon, Dr. Thomas. Good afternoon, Robbie and Sammy. Yes, hello. Very excited to have you on the show today. Well, it's been a treat a treating you. I don't know if that goes right, but I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to this talk. So are we. <laughs> Why don't you start out by introducing yourself, who you are? I'm Dr. Brett Philip Thomas, DO. DO stands for Doctor of Osteopathy. Okay. I'm also a specialist in neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine. I've been in practice for about 30 years. Excellent. I graduated from the uh, Nova Southeastern Osteopathic Medical School. I did that roughly about 30 years ago as of last week. And now I had a three-year residency in family practice. In between that time, I did a teaching fellowship in osteopathic manipulation practice and principles, in which I taught during my undergraduate time. I taught o- OMT, which is what it's also known as, to fellow students, medical students, and that helped me get more proficient in my field. Okay. Let's back up for a second. So why did you decide to choose osteopathic medicine? Do you even go into in the first place? Well, I was thinking about going to medical school. I was planning to go the MD route. Then a buddy of mine told me about how his family practice doctor was really great. and He was an osteopathic physician. Well, I did not know at all what that meant. So I ended up having to read up on it. And as I read up what an osteopathic physician was, I was became very intrigued. I realized that an osteopathic physician can do everything an MD does, plus more, which means, in other words, I could be a better physician for my patients. Not only can I go on to regular medical school, but also had a curriculum that includes osteopathic manipulation and the principles behind it that would help me to treat my patients more effectively. So there I went and I decided to become a DO. Okay. The audience that doesn't know what a DO is, why don't you explain that? In the mid 1800s, by a doctor by the name of A.T. Still, who was an MD. In that time period, they didn't have any antibiotics or regular ways of treating people. They would do, use leeches, they use contractions. Some things would have like mercury in it and other harmful items. So A.T. Still, one time when I think he was around 12 years old, he had some neck pain and headaches. And so he put his head and neck right against a rope as so he leaned on a tree. He leaned back in the rope for, for a few minutes. After a while, he realized that his headache pain, his neck pain went away. So that's when he first started to get an idea of how the body can. Uh, how you can treat problems using the body and treating the body itself. As I went on, he started getting more and more intrigued by learning the, the anatomy and how it works and realizing that people who were sick had different areas of the body that were not functioning up to their whole potential. So then he decided to start getting better and better at this as he studied more and more. As people found out, he became very wanted. People came from afar to be treated by him uh, using these new ways of doing things. He, he called it osteopathy. So that's where it began. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So what- Yes. And so then, yeah, go ahead. He laid himself on the rope. What did the rope do for his body? Can you explain that? Well, sure. It's kind of like if you think about it, some people have gone and gotten like traction put head and neck area. It was kind of some contract, traction being laid on it. What that does is a lot of times your muscles are really tight and then bathrooms. And so what happens in this case is that tension, although just the weight of the head against the area, more of a natural weight, not putting a lot of force on it, tends to then start relaxing the area on the muscles to stretch out, get rid of the fat, and then the headache can go away. One, some people like Dr. Travell has marked where muscles and bathrooms can cause pains in different areas. And you might think, well, your headache pain might be always from the head, but it's not. If you're in a car accident, for example, you got to look at close to the sternocleidomastoid muscle. That can give you a pain that looks just like a migraine headache. Your right side one is really tight in the bathroom. If you look at a diagram that she's developed, the pain areas would go right around the orbit of the eye on the same side. And a lot of people say, oh, I have pain around my eyes. Well, it's not necessarily a real true migraine headache as it might be just a referral pain from the muscles that are 
are tight in the spasm. Okay. So those are the type of things I do think about when we're doing it. So when he was doing this rope, it just kind of relaxed the muscles and tension and I pulled the occiput away from the neck area and, and that's why he got rid of the pain. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on practicing for medicine for 30 years, by the way. Thank you very much. What kind of skills do you have to have to become an osteopathic physician? In a way, that's a hard question. You need so many different skills. One, you have to be able to get through the rigors of college, the regular four years of college. Then from then, you have to apply to medical school. The osteopathic medical school, they do much at the same time as some people go for the MD school, which is also known as allopathic. As a physician, you really have to know medicine things that you get formally trained in as a regular physician. But you also have to learn about patients. I'm not talking about patients. I'm not talking about the patients come see you. So that is important also. But patients, too, if you're going to use osteopathic manipulation on a patient, you have to listen to the body as it works. A lot of times we'll tell you where you need to work on or help treat that patient. You try rushing things, you're not doing as good of a job. When you take your time, one of the common phrase we use in osteopathy is be still and listen to the body. And also you have to be able to focus well. If you're someone who's ADD and all over the place and it's not concentrate very well, that might make it more difficult, especially if you're doing cranial osteopathy. With cranial osteopathy, you are looking for just small amplitudes of movement and try to reach certain balance points. And so you have to be really be focused in your work, not be distracted all the time. Otherwise, you would not do a very good job in this in that particular field of medicine. Let's say you're a family practice. My original residency was in family practice. I did a three-year residency family practice. And during that time period, you learn a lot about the pathophysiology behind different types of diseases. And by knowing that, it helps you become a better osteopathic physician. And you can use your skills. Even, I would say, roughly 40% of osteopathic family practice doctors do use OMT for some times when they treat their patients. I'll give you a good example of one I like. When I was in family practice, I used to have patients would come in with asthma. And the person would use different medications, inhalers, things like that. Well, I won't forget, typically on average, I would get a patient that was using an inhaler three times a day down to one time a day, one time a day, which is really kind of nice. I haven't taken as much of the inhalers and their body is working better. And why is it working better? Because when I work on a patient, typically with an asthmatic patient, their ribs are not moving fully with inhalation and exhalation. So when you breathe, right now you can put your hands on your chest, take a deep breath to see the ribs come up and blow out. They go down in the front part. And so a lot of times with asthmatic, they're not patients. They are not moving very well in that. They have a really restricted movement. Also, we'll work on the thoracic diaphragm. When it's real tight, you can't get, take a deep breath. When you relax, the thoracic diaphragm is allowed to move downwards towards your pelvis. When you inhale, when you exhale, it goes back up. It's kind of like a syringe. You can take it in water and you can push it back out. Well, you want to be able to get that really working well, too, so you can get, take a deeper breath. Okay. So those are different ways I would use it. I can use it for otitis media, which is ear infections, and I've helped prevent ear infections, or and I've helped treat ear infections using this. How can I know that I've helped prevent ear infections? A question, you know, you didn't ask it. You took the words right out of my mouth. thinking it, yes. Exactly. <laughs> but the reason I say that is, think about most children, when they have, they get otitis media when they're ch- when they're young. And why is that? Because the eustachian tube is more horizontal. And as the face develops and the head develops, it becomes more downward at, at about a degree angle, downward. And initially, it's almost almost flat, but not quite. It's like angle, let's say 20 degrees. Well, when I do cranial osteopathy on the, on the patient from birth or early, very early in their life, I get the bones in the head moving more fully. And there's 24 bones that make the head. And especially the temporal bones are the ones I emphasize in this case. As I get those bones to move more freely, there's a, a, a motion going, a pumping motion almost. And it's a, it goes with the rhythm of the body. And if you have those bones moving well, it pumps the fluid out of the body and lets it drain properly. If it drains properly, then you won't have buildup of fluid. That's the one that allow an area where bacteria can grow. So that's how you prevent it. And I usually private practice doing that type of work. I only have one patient a year that would have an ear infection. Okay. Typically, if I have a child from new birth, being realistically, I would say about only about 5% of them might have that many would get an ear 
patients sometime in their life. So those are some ways I can come up with other examples. I don't want to bore you with all those type of things. You're definitely not boring us. No. <laughs> what is your favorite part about osteopathy? Probably my favorite part is being able to help people where they went to multiple doctors before and they were not helped. And with my osteopathic manipulation, I can help them so many different ways. I've gotten rid of headaches that they've had for years, sometimes decades. I've gotten rid of some seizures, especially if they're procedures from traumatic reasons. Almost all seizures, I, I would say, that I've experienced, worked on, have all gotten better. But if they're from traumatic event, like something hit in the head, along those lines, I am pretty good at getting rid of all, pretty much, if the seizures go back to normal. I can give you an example. One of my best friends, you used to call me a voodoo doctor. A voodoo doctor, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else does too. <laughs> He's a lawyer. He went to undergrad with me at University of Florida. And his child in California worked working with Dr. Viola Fryman. And I came back and he goes, Brett, haven't you, don't you work in the head and get ribs? Can you get rid of seizures? And I go, quite frequently, I can. Because my son started developing seizures and we're worried about him. And so can you look at him? I did. He had gone to a, a neurologist, pediatric neurologist in the area who said, you know, we're trying our best, but we can't seem to control it. Well, after one visit, he never had another seizure since then. Wow. And what's funny about that is after that, he never has once called me a voodoo doctor again. He may be thinking it, but he never has called me one. <laughs> But he's not treated his whole family. That's great. That's that, cool. That is very, very great. So, so I like that. I like helping people. That's the reason I quit doing family practice and went strictly to neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulation. The neuromusculoskeletal aspect is another, I'm board certified in that. Probably an important thing for when you look for a physician, that's one thing you want to think about. And if people now they have a board certification for it that you have to go through and be certified and that's extra high level in using osteopathic manipulation. Let me ask you, what is the most misunderstood part about what you do and how can you explain that? Probably the biggest perception about us is that they're not real doctors. I bet that drives you crazy. Oh, it does. It does. I mean, whether we're chiropractors or I do massages on people. So I don't like any of those. (laughs) A lot of people don't realize you go to the full medical training. We go to residency programs. We have a board certification. We get the path. It's very rigorous. My four years of medical school, I've never was so much harder than undergrad. We go to a full medical training and a lot of people understand that or realize that. And then they uh, also, they don't realize we can prescribe medications, can do surgeries. I mean, deliver there are DOs who are deliver babies, there are DOs who are neurosurgeons, who are cardiologists. The full realm of medicine we are involved in and we can do. And we just have this extra training that the MDs do not have. And so the only thing you have to worry about is then that they think, oh, if you're an osteopathic physician, you must all do manipulation. Well, they don't all, unfortunately. They are all taught some, but some do not use it as much as I do, or some do not, unfortunately, do not use it at all. And there's various reasons. If you're a Pathologists are probably going to use them in pathology. Radiologists pretty much won't use them there. Probably the sad part is that not as many people are using it as they should. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Let's talk more about motor vehicle accidents. So you kind of touched on a little bit. How did you get into treating primarily just motor vehicle accident patients? Well, I don't treat just motor vehicle accidents. I do treat people who are not in motor vehicle accidents also or have back pain, neck pain, and headaches and mm-hmm. arm pain and stuff. But I did take a special interest in motor vehicle accident people because I noticed they, I thought they were going to raw deal. They might go to the ER and be given anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, have some x-rays done, and and then they, they're not getting much better. They're not going through a whole program. And in a lot of cases, when they do that, they lose all their money or lose a lot of it because hospital is very expensive. They overcharge. And so I noticed also that we've seen other practitioners. They're just spent, like, having them come every day, be treated and practice on, yet they were not getting any better. 
at all. And that kind of frustrated me. And so, so then when I, I kind of thought, you know, this is not a good way of doing it. I need to help this. I mean, help change the, help get the motor vehicle accident patient, help them get better. And that way it will help our whole medical system because they're in pain and it's pain management. They can, um, won't be as good in society if they're always in pain. So I really want to help those patients a lot. And then you say, well, what about, can the regular doctors help them? Well, the patients, PCP or primary care doctors don't usually want to treat MBA patients. Why is that? Probably because there's a lot of hassle to it. You have to deal with lawyers. Doctors don't like to deal with lawyers. They hate the word lawyers. So what about pain medication, management? When you're dealing with a typical family practice patient, you say, okay, we give me your top one or two problems and that's it. Well, don't talk about anything else. You have a motor vehicle accident patient. You have to go to a full realm of problems and you have to take notes on them and keep in track of it because they're going to see lawyers and lawyers want to have everything followed. The insurance companies want to be followed. This can possibly go to lawsuits. And so if you're saying, well, tell me your top problem only, a note, any other ones, that can be a very disservice to the patient themselves. To me, I thought it would be a good thing to help those people through this. I prescribe medications. I can do trigger point injections. I can do a lot of different, treat them in a lot of different ways. And I can do, you know, order MRIs and so forth. And that way I can relieve the, the PCPs of that job and at the same time do a very good service for the patient. Sounds fun. Sounds and interesting. we definitely know about that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so just sticking with the idea of the motor vehicle accident patients in particular, what's the most common ailment that you see those types of patients for? Almost all of them have either neck pain or back pain. Uh, probably half of them have headaches. Some of them will have, after that, to a lesser degree, you might have wrist pain, knee pain. If they were pushing hard on the brakes, they could have gotten it jammed up. Uh, you know, and you realize one thing that people don't realize, if there's a difference between if you're sitting at the steering wheel and looking straight ahead and you get hit versus let's say you're turning to your friend of yours to the right, the left, and you have your head twisted or your body slightly twisted. And that can also a complete, the same accident can take a completely different injury from one patient to another. You know, you have to kind of treat them without any one thing that will do it, but multiple things can cause it to occur. So you really have to take all those things into consideration. So when I'm seeing neck pain, it's not, okay, I'll just treat the neck. Now you got to really get involved working on muscles, tissues, and, you know, hopefully they don't have a herniated disc or a bulging disc. They do, then that's more of a permanent injury. But I do work on those, all those things. But yeah, if someone starts having neck pain, back pain, after an accident, you better go ahead and get seen because maybe just mild. It could also be a little bit more than just a mild. It could be a permanent injury. Keeping up with that, what kind of health advice do you have for someone that's been in a motor vehicle accident? Well, I can speak about the state of Florida right now. That's where I'm at. And Florida, probably about five, six years ago, they changed the laws. They used to be seen within the first two weeks after an accident. If you are not, and it's by a doctor, either an MD or DO, a chiropractor would not make a difference. A PhD in school therapy will not cut it. Either an MD or DO. If you're not, or at the hospital, one of those clinics, emergency clinic type clinics. If you're not seen within the first two weeks, then you will not be covered by your auto insurance premium insurance at all. Coverage. That's number one. Also, some advice here. If, if it's a minor injury that you don't, nothing's really that major, you, know, you weren't knocked out. If you're unconscious, I would say go to the hospital. If you have you know, blood streaming all over the place, go to the hospital. If it's not the major, then I would say don't go to the hospital. Wait a day or two. See how you start feeling. Why did they say not go to the hospital right away? Because typically, patient only has a limited amount of coverage through their PIP. I can't remember what PIP stands for, but it is. Yeah, it's personal injury protection. In the state of Florida, within the first like $2,500 that you have, you have to prove that you have a permanent type of injury. If you don't have that, then you don't take any more services through your PIP. Then after that, if you have a permanent injury, they can go up to $10,000. Now, some cases you can go even higher with that, depending on what type of insurance you have. When you see these people say that I give you $600,000 for a case or $500,000 or whatever, usually those are with commercial vehicles. They have about a million dollar policy. A typical auto to auto accident more than likely would not give you that high of a coverage. You can make those substantial money coming to you. So you only have a limited amount of money. Well, if you're in a hospital and you get the MRI if you have any CAT 
scans done, x-rays, blah, blah, blah. Do about $8,000 right there. That does not give you much money to be treated for physical therapy, for osteopathic manipulation, other MRIs. Either they don't usually do MRIs or they do CAT scans. That's where they're looking for fractures. Next, I would say watch out for doctors who overutilize things and don't try to follow up on things. I'll follow up on you. If you are going to see a doctor and try getting somewhere somewhat better within seven visits, you may want to watch out about that. If he's having you come every day, he or she, having you come every day and you've seen people for three weeks or whatever and like not getting any better, this may not be the program for you. Some practitioners will see you for about two minutes and, okay, and have you give a little bit of massage and give you a cotton cold and that kind of stuff and mark up the bill really high. You got to be careful about that. It just abuses the system in some cases. To me, I want to see them get you an MRI fairly early. So not getting you an MRI fairly early, then that is not good. They're just trying to milk the system. I've had on more than one occasion, a patient come to me, they've used all their PIP benefits, have not had one MRI done. Wow. And so here they are, have no MRI. So no, you can't validate it's a, what they have inside. And then trouble is, you can get trouble with that also because the insurance companies can say, well, it's been five months. How do I know you didn't fall down and hurt yourself later on? And that's what caused your MRI to be bad. So that is what you got to worry about. In fact, I had a patient who came to me and he had just been in an accident that very day. The neck pain and back pain. That's all he said he had. I treated him. Well, first I examined him, of course. As I was examining him, I noticed his left shoulder got painful when I touched certain areas of it for both the supraspinatus muscle, tendon, and infraspinatus. I'm making layman's terms, rotator cuff muscles were kind of tight and painful. And also I did a test at chest for labrum tears. And that was when he first came to me, he did not even note that he had shoulder pain. But I, luckily, I found this woman examining him. I put it on my note for his physical examination. Well, we treated him and then we did an MRI on him. I think the next visit came back and said he still has left shoulder pain. We ended up getting an MRI. I'm not sure how, probably within one or two weeks. And it showed a labrum tear. Now, labrum tears is not healing themselves. Now, what is a labrum tear? Labrum is a type of tissue that surrounds the head of the humerus, or that's your bone that goes from your elbow up to your shoulder. And it holds it in place. So it's a pop-out joint. And so when you get ripping that, there's not enough blood in that area for it to heal on its own. Like when you have a cut in your arm, it can heal by itself and it comes together and it pretty much looks like brand new. It stays torn. Then as you use it, you can get torn worse and worse. Kind of like if you have a shirt that has a rip in it. You pull on the rip and it gets worse and worse each time it doesn't repair itself. So here he had a labrum tear. He went to surgery. All that happened. Well, years later, a couple of years later, when this was finally being settled, the insurance company did not want to pay for it, surgery at all. And he said, you know, why is that? Because we had a deposition with me, with their lawyer, everything. And they kept trying to say, well, Dr. Thomas, don't you feel like the labrum tear would have shown itself? Uh, he would have said he had pain there and I would have done it. But we don't think it was a real bit that due to him working out. I said, no. I said, he may not have said it because he had pain in so many different other areas. He didn't realize he had it there. I mean, sometimes just pain in so many other areas, you don't realize some of the minor places you have. And then I said, when examination, the only place I know that he had an either extremity was a left shoulder pain. And that's where he had the tear. And by the second visit, he said he had a pain in that area. To me, that was from the accident and not from it, from something else. So if I not know that my physical examination, they would probably argue that he was working out. That's how he got it. And they would not pay for the injury. That's terrible. Yeah. Tell your doctor every single little area that's hurt. I tell my patients, tell everything. If you hurt just a mind, I said, don't lie. I'm not going to lie. You're not going to lie. If something just hurts a little bit, tell me. If it's your elbow, fine. I said, two months, three months from now, if you tell me you have a pain there from the accident, I never noted. I really cannot say that you had it then from the accident. So I'll back them as much as I can, but you have to tell me initially. So I always warn them about that. That's another thing that someone should do for an auto accident. And then let's see if there's anything else here I can think of. I told you about getting an MRI early and make sure that your injuries are permanent. Sometimes it may be the soft tissue. Don't worry about it as much. Any permanent injuries, you must get a good lawyer. Who cares? Another segment of lawyers probably. We can tell you lawyers that are there for you because if, if you have a permanent injury, we, that's the type of thing where there's a lawsuit involved. What do you want to explore today? 
Are you into tracking Bigfoot? Or do you love seeing the lavish lives of celebrities? Maybe learning more about some unique careers is more your speed. Luckily for you, Limitless Broadcasting is here for you. We produce original content for people like you. Subscribe today and let's explore together. Any other advice for patients who are trying to look for a physician to help them recover from a motor vehicle accident? A lot of people go to chiropractors. I cannot say how you look for a chiropractor. I'm not going to try into that. In my own, to myself, I feel like I'm better than a chiropractor. Of course, it's a very biased opinion. I I, are better than a chiropractor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just stay silent over here because we agree. (laughs) To me, if you're looking for an osteopathic physician for it, and I do recommend that highly. Uh, MD can only go so far. They don't understand the muscle, neuromuscular system as well as we do. That's just because you're not training that uh, to the highest extent. So that's number one. Number two, you want to find someone who is, one, a member of the American Academy of Osteopathy, AAO, because that's an organization that really stresses and works with people who do osteopathic manipulation. Those are people who really care about learning more and more about manipulation. So that's like someone who's a member of that and even better if they are board certified in neuromuscular medicine and osteopathic manipulation. Uh, the AAO is a certifying board that does that. They are part of the AOA, which is the American Osteopathic Association. It's kind of like the AMA, but our the osteopathic branch of it. Board certifying someone that does that, that helps tremendously. And then it's even better if you get someone that's not only board certified in neuromusculoskeletal medicine, but also someone who is certified by the Osteopathic Cranial Academy. Competency examination, which you take, and people who take part of it, I feel better about. And why is this? Again, I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's because people who are, the whole body is not from the neck down. Now, people just do cranial work, craniosacral work only, and don't work, worry about the rest of the body, they're not doing a complete job either. Whole body, as taught by A.T. Still, is from the head down to your feet. I work on arms, legs, feet, elbows. I even work on viscera, which is your organs. And what you want to do is try to get someone who does have training in the cranial work because there are 24 bones that make up the cranium, and they move. If you ever look at look at the skull when you, next time you think about it, see little lines going through the skull. Those are called suture lines. Those suture lines are there for a purpose. They're from birth. You see a little child come through. You might even have like a looks like a pointdexter type thing or have his head pointed up like a dunce cap in some cases. Or you may have what we call plagiocephaly, the head's crooked and everything. That's because those plates are not in the proper positioning and, and there's too much tension in certain ways. Someone like myself, I'll work in those areas and try to get those, help the baby's head go back into proper motion and have motion restored. The bones do move up there. That's why, why we have those sutures there. That helps absorb when your head gets hit. One reason why they're there. It acts like a shop absorber. But they also, as they move and have flexion, extension motion, they allow increased blood circulation and increase cerebral spinal fluid circulation throughout the whole body, which is very important for both those items. That pumping action is very good. It also can help you with headaches. It can help with seizures. It can help with many other modalities. And not only that, but the tissues from the head, the membranes and stuff, they all go down from the head and a lot of them go down into the neck and further in the body because we have fascia that connects from the head all the way down, surrounds the organs, surrounds muscles, and go down to your feet. People that do myofascial release like myself and others is also important important feature that can be used. And so you want to treat the head all the way down. So that's why the cranial osteopathy or you know, the osteopathic cranial academy, that is very important to be the best treatment that you can. So those are what I would say. So ask around word of mouth from people, Google people also. So I think that's the best way to find a good physician. Okay. For your practice in particular, do you offer a free consultation to first-time car accident patients so that you can kind of look at their injuries and answer all of their questions? First-time motor vehicle accidents, no. And the reason I say that, we are being paid by 
provide their insurance. They'll come in there, tell them what my thoughts are. I will examine them. If they want me to treat them a little bit, I will treat them at that time. I don't actually give a free treatment or examination at that time. However, I do give initial free consultation for people who use the word limitless. I will give them a free examination, motor vehicle accident or non-motor vehicle accident. I will see if I feel I can help them. The first one would be, which is probably about a $200, $300 savings. So remember, use the word limitless when you come to us or say you heard it on the broadcast and you will get free initial evaluation there. That's Go an on. exclusive right here first, folks. <laughs> say the word limitless. Yes, very good. I'll help you get at least a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a car accident, how quickly can you usually be seen in your office? Typically, we have a waiting list, but for auto accidents, one to three days, typically. We work Monday to Thursday. Sometimes we work on Fridays. Depending on what day you call, we have to say a little bit later. I'm one day later. My wife does say it's fine with her. Unless it gets past 8 o'clock. I don't think she's happy if it's past 8 o'clock. But for the most part, we'll do whatever we can to get you in. We know you're in pain, and also we know there's a 14-day limit that we have to get you in there. I'll say one to three days. And sometimes we have gotten people in the same day. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I know you had talked about this earlier when dealing with lawyers. I see you thoroughly document all of the injuries and all of the treatment that you do in a medical report, right? Oh, yeah. That's a legal document. That's why I take it very seriously. And so I tell my patients, like I mentioned before, we try to say, hey, just tell every little thing that happened, what's hurting you, all that. I, I do a very extensive examination, trying to make sure to see if there's anything else wrong. So I caught that shoulder, for example. As I need to mention it, but I just still check it. Do all that. We put it down. Not hurting complaints from any lawyers about it. I think it's important. Every case could potentially go to lawsuit. And if we don't have our ducks in a row, it would not be good for the patient. We also do the MMI report. That's a maximum medical improvement letter that the lawyers a lot of times would like to have for their appraisal. So when we get to them to a level where kind of flat line when they're not getting any better, uh, they could have multiple herniated discs for this reason or that reason and say, look, we've improved their health, but we're at a point right now where there is, we're not going to improve that much really. We keep them stable, then we will we'll be glad to write that. So write an EMC. The EMC is a emergency medical condition, which is in the state of Florida, which states that if people have a herniated disc or bulging disc, we'll say that they've reached this a permanent injury and they need to be seen, that will help them go from the $2,500 limit in their PIP to a $10,000 limit in their PIP, which is very important. Only MD or DO can do that. Chiropractors cannot write that. But that's a very important thing to have done by us for the patients. And so we take the, all these things very seriously and we want to help them to it. As far as the letters of protection, a lot of people say, hey, I have a letter of protection. I've used all my PIP. I have no medical insurance either. And what is the letter of protection? It keeps that says basically that at the end of your case, when it's settled, we'll get either all of our money back or a percentage of the money back, all that. Well, to be honest, I've gone burn a few of those where I got like 16 cents in a dollar for my treatment. What we do in our policy is if they've been treated by us and my patient came in and they've been treated and we, they ran through the PIP because not only do we use that, we do send them to physical therapy also. We will send them to specialists, other specialists they need certain other type of referrals. I have no problem with sending them to neuro- neurosurgeons. They need that or orthopedics. Make sure my patient gets the best care. With that, sometimes they really run out of their money and if they do, they, if they use your regular health insurance they can go that route, we can do that protection. And that means between us, them, and the lawyer. And we do that for patients we have been seeing up to about, I think, a two or three thousand dollar limit. I've never seen them. They come to my office. They said, look, I have no insurance. We'll do a LOP. I mean, we don't do it on them because it's just, it just doesn't always work out well for us, to be honest. I'm just being straight for you. I'm, I'm pretty booked. You know, you said, well, can we, how often, when can we see you as motor vehicle accidents? We squeeze you all in and we'll get you in. Typically, I'm booked several weeks, sometimes months in advance for regular patients. So that's why we do do special things for the auto accident patients. We don't always do liens, LOPs or liens for anyone else but our own patients. I think you kind of answered what my next question was going to be about PIP benefits. So thank you. (laughs) 
The last question I have, I know you talked about doing diagnostic testing and you specifically mentioned like MRIs. What other sort of tests do you look at or do you order for patients? I will order sometimes x-rays. I will order people to have EMG or a nerve connection test done, numbness, loss of strength, those type of things done. And the other test we are thinking about, there's a new test that's come out recently called a heart heart variability test. And that one is one we're kind of looking into right now. That might help us to validate the patient has pain. A lot of times pain can be subjective, especially if someone has headache pain and people think they're faking it or things like that. Well, this type of test will help us validate that they do have pain. And so we're talking to someone right now, in fact, by getting that test to be done. We don't order many blood tests at our place because the nature of our practice, if there are any other type of tests that would be good, CAT scan of the brain, let's say they have headaches or anything else, we will order them. But those are probably the main ones we order. If they need to have a, a epidural done, we will send out for that also. I think that's the things I feel 100% confident that I can do a good job on. Let me ask you a question, Dr. Thomas. How long does a typical uh, treatment last? How long do you see somebody for? When I initial visit for them, they will come in and they will first go and talk to the medical assistant I have. Her name is Brittany. And I'll talk to her for probably about 45, 40 minutes. Let's say 30 to 40 minutes probably. They'll probably spend another 40 minutes with me on the initial visit. I will examine them, note anything, write down whatever I find. Brittany didn't get everything. Usually she does a great phenomenal job, but if she misses something, they didn't remember until then. I'll write those things down. And I will try to do a uh, medical treatment on them, an osteopathic treatment on them. So usually I do that for about, let's say it comes to roughly around, let's say a half hour initial treatment. If I have a lot of time, I'll do it that way. I try to give them full amount of time as much as I can. Now they have, depending on how many things they have wrong with them, that makes it a little bit more difficult at times. <laughs> I do always give them those treatments. Then on the, on the other days, let's say come back for a return visit, I don't just do a three-minute visit or crack, crack, crack or anything like that. I will give them probably about roughly around 20 minutes. Sometimes it goes over, sometimes lightly less, but not by much less. Pretty much around 20 minutes of, of treatment time with me. Okay. Do you have any other modalities that you use on motor vehicle patients besides OMT that you use in treating? Yeah. I, I, a lot of times we'll use medication. Sometimes they say, look, I, I want to be very natural with my stuff. I don't want any medication that will do this or that to me. And I will go ahead and when I say medication, will be like prednisone. Maybe sometimes they have pain, trouble sleeping. I might get some hydrocodone or tramadol or something like that. So anti-inflammatories, I'll use that sometimes, not as often muscle relaxers. But if they want to do more natural, I'll give them Tramiel or recommend Arnica 200 to them. I also, at times, will do trigger point injections, and that seems to make a difference too when they have pain. I try to hope they usually do that after I've seen their MRIs, and they'll be very specific with my injections. There's a new thing coming out that has come out, I'm a lot on it. It's called Neuroprolo. It is a, also now, that's what it used to be called, now it's called perineural injection technique. Perineural injection has done a wonder for me so far. Typically, it's about 90% effective on people with nerve pain. You might think, oh my gosh, what is it? Well, it's not, number one, it's not FDA approved, considered experimental or, or investigational, but it has done a lot of good job. What you're doing is not very scary in technique, unless you don't like needle sticks. <laughs> what you do, you do have a half inch needle, and you have dextrose, which is sugar water, and you inject that into the area, and you inject um, down by about a quarter of an inch down, wherever the person has tenderness along their nerve route. And that seems that they feel it's recommended or still hypothesized that the dextrose calms the nerves down because of the, when someone has a pain, the ATPs are used up and a lot of glucose is used up. So this kind of replenishes the cells of sugar and seems to calm the nerves down. So I've helped one person, for example, he had pain, no, left side of the pain. He could not lift his leg above five degrees. So he had muscle weakness. His deep tendon reflexes were, did not really work on the, on the left side at the ankle. They recommended surgery for him. He did not want to have surgery. He was 27, 28 years old. He came to me. He didn't want surgery. So I said, well, we'll try this. 
stiff on you. I mean, we did a lot of injections on his leg and his hip and his back because it was his back pain down to his left side pain down to his foot with weakness down there. In three months' time, a complete resolution of his pain and of his strength of his leg. He has full strength of his leg back and no more pain. And that was awesome. And about a year later, he called me back and said it still was good because we had not been treating him after he got better. We didn't inject it any longer on him. And he felt good ever since. So it was really a good one to, to, to see. My last question for you, Dr. Thomas, is kind of off the script a little bit. But would you consider yourself a healer? <laughs> well, I've had some people say I, I have helped people where other people cannot help them. Someone being a healer, it's been taken so many different ways. I do think some people have a gift of healing. I do feel I fall in that category to some degree. More, I don't more what I mean. Do you think you have a <laughs> gift of healing? I, I to some degree, yes, I do. I think I I can help some people. And I think my touch is not only comes from that, but when I'm treating a patient, this is into some nuances of osteopathy. But some people just do things mechanically. They know certain techniques and just boom, boom to the technique. They don't consider the body as a whole. I'm working on the body. I try to get into the tissues and sense the tissues. And when I do that, you can pretty much sense from the head and neck all the way down because of the fascial aspects of it and, and the fluid. I work in those areas. I can sense that. And so I, I use my techniques in correlation with that. When I show my patients certain things where I say, look, I'm just mechanical. Here's what it feels like. And I say, well, once I get into your system, and I call it, and that's why I call, I call it, I feel the body's mechanism of treating. Then you can, they can actually also feel that. It's not, not just being one area, but you can, they can sense me other areas down the body. So not just when I put my hands in there to save their neck. Not only can they feel me in the neck, but they can feel me down their chest and down to the pelvic area also. I think if you're trying someone who's a healer, I think that's someone who's just mechanical doing things. I think it's someone that can work in the whole body all at one time and kind of bring it all together. And that's how I consider myself a healer, I guess, because I can do that. And I get people better when other people have gone to other DOs. I've not gotten better. I remember when I first came to see you, my attorney actually did not want me to come and see you. He actually tried to talk me out of not seeing you and I was like no this is the doctor I should be seeing and you've been through with me through the whole process you're the first doctor to not just look at me as a a back pain or a shoulder pain or my leg you look at me like a whole body whole person I appreciate that thank you thank you very much sir well I try to do well patients try to treat everybody special it shows when you are treating a patient with a patient it shows that you actually care and you actually want to see not just me but other their patients get healthier and get better and being able to move on with their lives. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I agree. Well, thank you. This is your time. Pitch your um, practice. What What would you want to say to people to come to your office? What do you, What would you want people to know? Well, I'm there for not only for people who are in motor vehicle accidents, but also people who also have other types of pain. I've hurt them and I don't know what to do about it. You know, I don't not only treat the, the head, the neck, the spine. I, I also treat the viscera. I mean, I just was thinking about it just yesterday. At 7 a.m., my son walks in. He's eight years old. Daddy, what is it? (laughs) I'm deep sleep. I was enjoying my sleep. And he comes in. I go, go, my stomach hurts, Daddy. I can't do anything. I go, okay, let me see. When was the last time you went to the poo-poo? He goes, I I can't remember. It's been a long time. I cannot remember. Okay, okay, Get up here. It's been one or two days. Okay, Daddy. I said, okay. I checked first. I first, of course, went and checked for, I had to make sure it was an uh, appendicitis, something like that, which I had last year. I checked to make sure it was in 
wasn't bad. I checked for anything I thought might be really bad. So I, and I also was thinking of other things like one of his urinary tract infection. I asked him about when he pees and stuff. His pain was more in the middle area and lower quadrant area. And so then I said, okay. And so I worked on him doing visual manipulation techniques for that. And that, that, so he said, oh, it's just a little bit better. I worked on him probably for about uh, five, 10 minutes probably. And I said, okay, buddy, love you. Bye. So he went downstairs. I went back to sleep. I woke up about an hour and a half later and he said he'd gone to the bathroom number two twice in that time period. Went to describe him by the I won't do this for your listeners. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> I do treat a lot of different things. At our office, we do try we do try to treat our patients with care and love. I have a wonderful staff. I have Evelyn, who's a phenomenal office manager, and Brittany, who's great. She cares about the patients. And so we do try to treat people well. Usually what I tell people is come to see me for about seven visits. They've had this chronic pain. If I'm not getting them better within seven visits, I'm not going to waste your time and money coming to see me. I might come up with something else made for them to do or someplace else for them to go. But I, I do feel that they should start seeing change within seven visits. If they don't, I may not be the person for them. And I try to be realistic about things. I don't want to waste people's time and money. I'm not going to have them come see me for six months and not have any improvement. That's not I me mean, not right. Try and make some changes. The reason I say seven visits, if you've had chronic pain, you're changing muscle and tissue memory of the person. And so that's what I try to do. I try to re-educate the muscles, tissues, do things the right way. When I tell them, when I see them, I say, hey, do not wait to go outside and run you know, five miles, walk out gym right after I see you. You know, take 24 hours off the body, take in what I've done to the body and do that. So I always recommend when I see patients, I don't, you may say, well, how often do you see the patient? Well, I usually see them about maybe if they're in a really acute situation, I might see them an acute motor vehicle accident, I might see them twice a week or three or four weeks. Now I'll see them once a week. Now, why is that? Well, it's only sees them every day. The body does not have time to adapt to the changes to what we've done. It's like, and so that's why I don't like to do them every day because they don't like too much overload for the body sometimes. It's kind of like when you work out, you need some time to relax. You do the upper one day, lowers later on, another day, the body needs time to heal. So that's one reason why I don't do it every day for the people. I do try to treat the body as a whole. When they do come in, I try to treat the whole body, not just okay, we'll work on your neck today, we'll work on your next week, we'll work on your low back. We do the whole body together. I treat the patient. So those are important things to realize, how I treat the patient, and I've gotten good success. These are kind of rules and ways I've learned from my my mentors, and and they're very valuable and I think they're very wise ways of doing things. Excellent. Do you have any other questions for Dr. Thomas? Well, you have been excellent guest, Dr. Thomas, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, thank you. And we know your time thank is valuable from the bottom of our hearts. We appreciate it. Well, I thank you for inviting me on it. I times that you've mentioned me and I, I was just hoping that you keep getting better and uh, look forward to talking to you. I hope your listeners learn a lot about this because it's an important thing for injuries. Chronic pain can take a toll on people, person themselves, but also family members. Help find a way to get them better. That to me is an important thing. So I appreciate you letting me come in the show and let people realize what osteopathy can do for them. Real quick, how can people get a hold of you? Orlando, Florida. We do have people coming from many places. We have people coming from Passwood, from Clearwater, from Florida. I'm in Orlando down the middle and Miami area. We come from different areas. Most of our people come from Orlando area. Our office number is 407-747-1222. 407-747-1222. That's how you can come. And what's your website? One more time. Our website is BrettThomasBO, Auto Injuries of Greater Orlando.com. And remember, use the word limitless to get a free consultation. consultation. Impossible treatment if you want it. Impossible treatment. Well, yes. yes. Of course. Thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. Thank Jamie you. and Robbie. Yep. Bye-bye. Have a great day. To you too. Limitless Broadcasting is not your average streaming service. It's got content you're actually interested in watching. There's a series for everyone in your life. Whether they want to chase Bigfoot or judge their favorite or least favorite celebrity spending habits, we make content you care about. Check out Limitless Broadcasting today. 
Thanks for listening to The Painful Truth of Living with Chronic Pain with Robbie and Sammy. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to the Limitless Podcast Network's own channel, Instagram, and all things social media. And we'll see you all real soon. Thank you.